podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. They could break here, Chelsea. This could be the moment. Frank Lampard for Chelsea. It's Carvalho to his right. Lampard for the title. Lampard, it's 2-0. It's Chelsea's championship. And 50 years of waiting have come to an end. Lampard comes out to Essien. Oh my goodness. It's a counter attack. It's a new dropper. And now it's in the middle. Dropper goes. Stretch it. Stretch it. Hello, welcome to Chase the Hour. My name is Meads, and I'll be your host for this one. I've got two special guests. Um, we've got Timson, ECFM. I'm good. How are you doing? Thanks for having me on. I can't complain, man. I can't complain. Busy, but it really is. And Babs, how are you doing, bro? Yeah, I'm doing well, bro. Good to be on. Yeah, good. Um, so obviously, just a little word from our sponsors. Um, Fanslide. So Fanslide is like an interactive game, um, where it's almost like you play against your or your your friends, or you can play against us. So where Touchline Frack is one of our partners, and it's like a completely new concept. It's an in-play interactive game. Um, and Timson has been playing with it. Um, oh, well, not Timson. Sorry, Babs has been playing with it more recently. Um, Babs, can you tell us about a bit of your experience, um, using the app? Yeah, I've had a I've had a bit of a shocker today, you know. For my first twenty minutes, I went with Zaha, Eze, and Saka, and as you guys can see, absolutely nothing happened in the first half of the game. So yeah. I've earned absolutely no points. Yeah, it's what it's one of those ones where you you have to time it correctly, and that's what yeah. makes it difficult than a yeah. typical like other interactive games. I think it's a little, mm. a little bit more difficult because you have to time when you're going to use certain players, and obviously if you anticipate like a second half and you might use you know Smith Rowe who's is dead exactly. for Arsenal still more yeah so Saka maybe so those kind of players you might be thinking okay maybe second half might fling them in and get yeah. a couple of points um but yeah check us out check out Fanslide and if you want to play against us you can find us there find Babs on there you can find Tibbs on there you can find the rest of the touchline guys on there and just use our Twitter names or our um Discord names and yeah you'll find us but yeah I guess we could start off with the podcast now, Chelsea had a game um, recently against Morecambe. Um, it was an FA Cup game. And I guess everyone kind of said, yeah, it's a dead ringer. Um, considering that Morecambe actually didn't train up until Tuesday before the game. Um, 
everyone was kind of expecting a, like a five-star Chelsea performance. Um, but boys, did we get that? Did we get that five-star performance? I mean, we got the goals, um, but the performance, I don't know. How, how did you guys think it went? Babs, we'll go with you. We'll start with you. Yeah, I feel like the first 15 minutes especially were quite slow in terms of the pace of the game. You know, I didn't think the boys were really going for it. I think it was kind of a game where we were trying to pace ourselves and not try to expend too much energy. But at, at the same time, I feel like we could have definitely been a bit more a bit more expressive on our attacking play, you know. But then again, you know, by the 18th minute, Mount got his goal. It was good. It was good to see him get a goal, you know, from open play. And yeah, it was, it was a good start. I mean, with Mason Mount, I think when we saw the team lineup, I was thinking, again, you want to play him again? Like, he's shattered. Mm, but that was a worry, yeah. He had a week break. He had a week break, and maybe it was it was able it enabled him to recharge his batteries because he was playing every two games, every two three games, and by the end of it, he looked really really knackered. Um, Timson, what what did you think of I guess the first half showing, and and again, who were really the bright sparks in that team? Because I looked at it and I thought and Mason Man looked alright, considering that I thought he'd be really really tired. And not well, of course you have to take into consideration the. Opposition level, but um, who are the bright spots for you? And do you feel like we played well enough to really say, okay, we're kind of out of this rut that we're in? Um, for starters, I was a bit shocked. I know a lot of people got word that the five youngsters that were training weren't going to be involved in a squad bar one. <clears throat> Secondly, in terms of the first team, in terms of the first half, I felt like it was very, very um, safe to start off with. A lot of people playing with the weighted pressure of um, the expectations of needing to win um, and needing to play well, a.k.a. a team of Werner, a Kai Havertz um, and Callum Hudson-Odoi um, was one of my standouts, probably man of the match overall. Uh, Mason Mount gives you what he gives you, 7, 7.5 out of 10 most weeks. Um, and yeah, I was, I was a bit like, I was a bit concerned. Mason Mount starting again? But he played really. He he played well. He gave us what he always gives us. Um, and as soon as the first goal went in and we settled into a rhythm, things started to um, open up slowly but surely. Yeah, I felt I felt like once uh, we weren't really creating that many opportunities. I think against Hemo Werner, he he looked. I won't say uncomfortable, but he didn't just look razor sharp. Um, which again is is expected. He's not super confident at the minute, so. Yeah, I, I, I didn't really see much of Kai Havertz in that first 20 minutes or so. I think he was trying to make the runs in behind, but the passes weren't really coming. I, there, was a, there, was a, there was a moment where Mason Mount picks it up probably about 20, 30 yards from goal and he gets past his player. Kai Havertz makes that run into the box, an incisive run in and Mount and pass the ball. And I do think that that's probably one of Mount's faults. You know, for all you say that he gives, he gives you the sevens out of ten pretty much most weeks I feel like one of the biggest flaws in his game is his inability to pick a pass in the final third I think he's very good in the middle third when it comes to breaking that initial line but when it comes to actually finding the decisive pass in the final third I don't think he sees it I think he has like a flat I think maybe with his decision making he just might be just too rushed so he's not actually assessing the options he's just got something in his mind and he'll just try and do it whether it's the right or wrong decision who you know it depends on the outcome um but yeah i agree after his goal which was a fantastic strike to be honest um like fizzed into him by callum hudson odoi i guess you could call it an assist and um, fizzed into him 
and yeah, just driven it into the bottom corner. And you're right, I think after that, the game did open up a little bit. Um, Chelsea did look a little bit more imposing um, in that, the rest of that second half. And I guess Kai started to get a bit more space to operate. But I don't think it was like a great showing. I didn't really feel like we had any true patterns of play or really anything. I mean, I, to be fair, Morecambe didn't really test us. So Morecambe didn't really test us at all. Um, so going forward, there was only like two or three players on the counter-attack um, at an absolute maximum. And to be fair, they all looked really tired. So, I, uh, But when it came to the second half, and I guess we'll talk about the second half in a second, but you, by the end of the first half, they looked really, really shattered. Um, now on to the second half. Um, obviously, Hakim Ziyech played the game. Um you know, he's, he's still trying to find himself a little bit. Um, still trying to find understand his teammates. I know he obviously had, strikes up a, a good connection with um, Callum Hudson-Odoi because they just love playing that direct, that big diag to each other. But um, I think they're, they're still trying to get an understanding of maybe the, the Kai Havertz's and the Timo Werner's. But as shown for the uh, Timo Werner goal, where he, he turns in on his left foot and picks out Kai Havertz, who nods it back to Timo Werner for the two minutes to make it 2-0. Um, I thought that was a good goal. I do think that was a good goal. And that's probably something that we might see a bit more of. Um, that's hopefully if, you know, Kai Havertz starts playing in the number 10 role. Um, but yeah, it looked it looked good. Um, what did you guys think of Billy Gilmore's performance? Mm, yeah, I didn't think Billy was, was um, tested too much, but there were times where he looked a bit where he could be bullied, he could be got at. You know, there was a moment where one of the Morecambe players flicked the ball over his head and it was, it was pretty funny, but, you know, yeah. I feel like it was, it was a game where you're not really going to get to see the best of him because it's not, it's not an open game. But, you know, going forward, we definitely will see a lot more. It's good to see him back from injury, especially, if anything. That's, that's the think, most important thing. I think first half, he wasn't really impressive for me. No. Um, second half, he looked a little bit better. Um, I think maybe a 6 out of 10 kind of game for him. What do you think, Tim? I felt like he looked different to what we're used to. Um, in terms of being confident on the ball, progressive mm. with his passing and just looking livelier, being a young, hungry young player trying to impress. Mm. Um, he didn't do anything particularly stand out on the offensive or the defensive end, but um, there was one or two moments, um, like the moment that you suggested, that made me think, do I really want this guy sitting in front of a back four um, mm. against Premier League opposition or um, decent opposition, which Fulham will be? Yeah, so that's what um that's what I was looking at in yeah. terms of Billy Gilmore's performance. Yeah, and it's 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 a funny one because obviously Jorginho, I don't want to say he's fallen out of favour, but he's definitely not fully in Lampard's plans. And where Fulham are a quite physical side with Anguisa, obviously Ruben Loftus Cheek won't be available to play. Um, they've got a quite physical side, a lot of PNP. So Kante's out suspended could be a problem. Um, a full of Fulham game. In fact, if we do play Gilmore or even Jorginho, because both of them have their physical deficiencies, so I'm, I'm not quite sure how we're going to actually approach that game. To be perfectly honest, um, I'd probably be less concerned. I'd probably be more worried about Jorginho because yeah. his lack of mobility, and you've got a runner like Ivan Caballero, Bobby D. Cordova Reed. Um, obviously, we're lucky Ruben Loftus Cheek can't play against us because he would bully. Yeah, he would bully. He, he would bully Angisa. And Geese is a weird one for me. I mean, sometimes he looks brilliant, but in front of goal, the guy just looks like, he just looks comical at times. Yeah, I feel like he's such a talented player just with the ball at his feet, but I just feel like 
that's when it comes to just dribbling and carrying the ball. Everything else just seems quite messy. But generally, he's a, I think he's a very good player. Um, maybe he just needs to find his feet. I don't know, but from what I've seen, he seems very good on the ball, very comfortable. But yeah, when it comes to just certain actions, it's quite porous. But yeah, you're right. We're lucky that we're just not going to come up against... A, not to say that Ruben Loftus-Cheek is absolutely flying, but he had a good performance against Tottenham um, the other day. So it's just... And I think he that midfield or that team, that physical team could actually give us problems. And obviously without N'Golo Kante, the, mobi- the lack of mobility in that midfield might be a little bit of a problem. So, but yeah, onto, back onto the second half of the Morecambe game, um, you know, Hakim Ziyech picks out our, our boy Callum, who again was a standout player. And again, we know we say, oh, it's just against Morgan, but he's been a standout player against Arsenal, against Man City, and now Aston Villa, and again now against Morgan. So it's um it's becoming a bit of a theme. And a lot of the talk on the timeline on, on Twitter now is that Callum has to start. He must start. He must start. Um, because whenever he's given opportunities, he tends to play well. And it's kind of funny because we've been saying this from the beginning of the season. We've been saying that, look, this kid is here and we bought all these players were fine but this kid is here and whenever he plays he performs whenever he plays he gives us something why are you ostracizing why are you not playing and why are you leaving him out of squads odd tim what what more can callum do to start a game what more can he do to start and not even just start a game but get a run of games where he could start because right now i think he's jumped through every hoop broke down every barrier so what what comes next for him all like he to firmly position himself as in that, as a as a as in that starting eleven, he needs to almost go on um, a run, almost comparative or better than uh, Christian Pulisic's post-lockdown form. Because um, ever since then, Pulisic has been on a pedestal. But not even to talk about him, I've listened to some um, like influencers, people, uh, big Chelsea accounts, and. They've kind of tried to say that Lampard has just been very, very slow in regards to how he's brought, how he's developed Callum. Oh, Callum needs to make runs into the box and the six-yard box in specific to get on the end of goals. I accept that, but that movement in itself is not justification enough for some of the stuff that I've seen. For example, playing Mason Mount when he's the only fit winger. Uh, leaving him out, leaving Callum out of the Tottenham match day squad as soon as Christian Pulisic is fit. You're telling me a fully fit uh, uh, 60, uh, 70, 80% um, Christian Pulisic is better than a fully fit Callum hudson Adoy because he runs into the six-yard box. I'm not sure. Personally, I feel like Callum's just shown out. And one thing that he's done, he's shown that... Um, out of the three options, he's deadly and he has something to offer on both flanks. Both flanks. So for in terms of tactical versi- versatility, he's a godsend in comparison to Pulisic who, when his dribbling isn't coming off or he's not um, getting his way with the fullbacks or the defence, he's not going to sit back in front of... Uh, he, he can't sit back in front of a, a defender and create. Ziyech can do that. He can, he can he can ping that ball. He can he can be a problem from a, as a wide playmaker. Callum can do both sides of it. He can dribble. He, he's dangerous on the left. Like, that's his full threat. Like, running at you, scoring, 
assisting. But when he goes onto that right-hand side, he stretches he stretches defenders and he creates those gaps between a full-back and a centre-back that Akai Havertz and Mesa Mount could exploit. And he has that delivery for, a mate, for, for Olivier Giroud or a Tammy Abraham when he gets his head in on point. I mean, he has he offers so much, and I just don't understand why it's not uh, why it's why he's not the first team name on the team sheet right now. It's if it's such, a... it's such an odd, I, I I honestly look at it and I think Callum literally has all the minerals to be a certified top winger in this league. He can go past you, he can cross. He don't even need to get past you to be dangerous. He could cross it in. He could find the yard and cross it. He could shift onto his left foot. He could he could dribble off either foot. He could pass. He could find the incisive pass. He could find the through ball. He can find the final ball. He's got all the weapons, really and truly. I think one thing that I say that he really can improve on, and I think that will improve once you get more game time, is again the runs into the box. But if you're a playmaker type player, aren't really going to need to do that. If you're given the opportunity to really showcase what you're going to do, I think less of those things will be asked of him. I think once you only, if you only give him five minute cameos here and there, and then you're asking to burst into the box, well, you're not really going to get that. If you actually give him a run of 90 minutes to really and truly understand what he's really about and what he can do, then surely that'd be the best thing to do. But he's not really been given the opportunity to showcase or show everybody whether, one, he's back from injury and properly back. Two, if he can actually do the things that we all believe he can. And it's just, I'm hoping, um, not just for Lampard's sake, but just for our sake, that Callum does get a run in the team because I don't think anyone else deserves it more than he does right now. I think he's playing really well. He's been our best player for the last four games. It's just very, it'd be very, very strange. But, you know, there's been plenty of times where, you know, he's deserved to, to play games and deserve to be on the squad or deserve to be on, on the team or even on the subs bench. But he's not. And he's not really gotten his just dues. So it wouldn't be a surprise if... He was on the bench um, against um, Fulham. That being said, would it be the right call? Babs, talk to me. Yeah, I've got to say, um, going on, coming off of what Timson said, we can, we have seen it in terms of um, um, Callum's interplay. You know, there was a moment where Callum has moved over to the right hand side when Pulisic came on, and you can see Kai Havertz looked so much more comfortable because he had a winger there to play off of. Not that Ziyech couldn't do it, but the speed at which Callum does it, the directness that he dribbles at to get to get the ball off with the final pass, I feel like it's something that is greatly, greatly missed when you don't have a player like that on the, on the wing. You know, I feel like with Callum, we've come to the point where it's, it's do or die now with Lampard. Like, you have to play him or you have to let him go, you know? It's, and, it's, and at the moment, it's very, very problematic because he's probably our most diverse winger and the fact he can play on both wings. He can take on his mind. He can go outside on, onto his left foot and make a crossing. He can make a final pass. And I feel like it's come to a point where he's fit as well now. Like, there's no excuses not to play him. You know, like, him playing Mount and Werner out wide is, is absolutely criminal, you know? Like, we, we had the point where um, in the press conference, Lampard said the only reason he played Werner out wide is because he had no wingers. And we, we all know that was a lie. You know, that, that was an absolute lie. You know, we go back to the Brighton game. He played Mount and Kai Havertz out wide, you know? We go to Liverpool game. He played, he played a Mount out wide. We go to United game. Callum didn't even get onto onto the onto the game sheet, you know. Like it's it's absolutely it's absolutely criminal, you know. And I feel like to actually get the best out of this side going forwards, I feel like we need to be playing Callum, you know. And I, and I feel like a lot of people may think I'm signing like a bit of a fanboy, but I feel like he well and truly is our best balanced winger at the moment. 
I agree. Uh, so I agree. I feel like Callum has the capacity to do everything. So mm. obviously Pudisic is an excellent, oh, okay, excellent or very good dribbler, right? Yeah. So he, when he gets it right, it's fantastic. Um, and he obviously he does have a, a bit of a goal threat on him nowadays. Um, he's definitely got his um his I wouldn't say goal scoring touch, but I think he's a lot more hungry, and if he he thinks about attacking the box often and getting his goal. Um, <clears throat> Ziyech is obviously a prime creator, very creative, always trying to look for teammates to try and get an assist, or if he can score, he'll try and score. Um, but Callum could do it all. He could he scored more goals than everyone. Every one of our wingers, he's created more. Well, I'm actually after Ziyech. Um, I think he's just behind Ziyech. I think his shot creating actions is one of the highest in the league. It just per ninety. Of course, it's a small sample size. Shot creating actions generally every time, ever since he broke through, has been one of the highest in the league. I think he's definitely got the capacity to do it all, but he just needs the opportunity. He needs a platform to really show what he can do. Um, but. You're completely right. I, I don't like the lies from Frank Lampard where he talks about, oh, I had no choice but to play team over on a wide. Well, that, that's not true. We both know that's not true. We all know that's not true. You don't need to say it. You don't need to give that excuse. If it, it, We all know it's not true. You don't need to say it. You don't. No one asked you, oh, is it because that you had injuries that team over was playing wide? No one said that. You offered up that explanation when it's just untrue. You had a fit winger. You just didn't utilise him fine that's it but just don't lie like come on your your players will listen to that players will hear that and think what's going on here this is it's a bit of a nonsense but it is what it is it's, uh, the, 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 now onto the game um against fulham we have this record where, where i think we're, we're unbeaten uh, at the bridge against them since i think 96 or no two i think 2006 or 96 or 2006 i don't like these records because you know what these records have, especially under Frank Lampard, these records tend to go. The, 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 only, rec- the only thing I will say is, thankfully, he's not at the bridge. Yeah, well, Frank, well, I think it's at Craven Cottage then. Yeah, yeah, Craven Cottage. But I'm just like, these records are there to be broken, and oftentimes Frank has been the guy, unfortunately, to make all of our records dissipate. So it's just like... Oh man, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's going to be a really, really tough game. It's going to be a tough game. Um, I don't know. Thiago Silva's not been looking himself lately. Obviously, getting Golo Kante suspended. He's not been looking himself because he's been looking really tired, of course. Um, but it's a big game. It's a big game, not just because it's London Derby. And I don't think Fulham and Chelsea is probably the biggest London Derby you can have, but it's a big game because it's very important that we win this game. I think it's if we don't win this game, we're in, well, not we, Frank is in massive, massive trouble. Because a game against Leicester, Leicester away, if we lose that, again, we are completely out. That I mean, where about, we'd be about 10 points behind the top four. Wait, that is, at, that, at that point, we're, we're, we're going to be closer to relegation zone. Hey, and the worst thing is Arsenal are playing now. They could win today. They'll be joint on points with us, um, albeit playing a game more. Then you have to factor in Tottenham, who are on an awful slide like us. They're four points ahead of us. And they've only yeah. won one game in their last six. That is crazy. That is crazy. So, Tim, when it comes to this game, 
am I overreacting? Am I overreacting that this is a do or die game for Frank Lampard? Or, or, or do you think he still has a bit of more time, a bit more leeway? Ultimately, I still think he'll have a bit more leeway. But if he has, though, he, I know he has the aspirations to be um, a title winning, um, not just challenging manager, um, a manager who brings silverware to Chelsea and restores the kind of um, champion ethos and mentality to the, to the club. Um, they Fulham have been on such a great run. Um, they've not lost against teams like Southampton, Liverpool, uh, Spurs more recently coming back from a goal down. Uh, that's the first time they've managed to come back from losing situations to get points this whole season. So they're on a very, very good run, not to mention the way they gave Everton a run for their money, even though, albeit they narrowly lost. Um, a team in such good form, um, looking very, very, looking looking very close to the light at the end of the relegation tunnel in terms of getting out the relegation spots. If Frank Lampard is the manager, really is the manager he aspires to be, he takes that team and he gets a win against a team that is in such good form um, and he takes the opportunity to set an exo- to, to set a precedence and go. We've been. We're going to use this as an example. This is where we draw the line. This is a good team, but we are Chelsea, and we will beat this team um, and set an example and push on from here. Hey everyone! Before we get into today's pod, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, We'll get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher and all other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to levelling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the programme is limited, so get your application in today to apply go to bwhustle.com forward slash join check out the description box for this episode to find out more but that's bwhustle.com forward slash join credit karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions and now they want to help you even more with the credit karma money spend account you can be rewarded for good money habits Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Open your FDIC-insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll automatically be entered to win $1 million. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash win money to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash win money to sign up for free and start winning. That's creditkarma.com slash win money. Instant karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. 
See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. Yeah, yeah. I think that's an excellent point that um, Tim's has just raised because if you look at the form table, aside from, I believe, City United, Fulham are the only team that haven't won their last five games. And I feel like to actually show a statement of intent, not, I mean, obviously it's just Fulham, but obviously to show a statement of intent and what you're actually about to do now in terms of turning around your form, a game like Fulham is a game that you have to win. You know, like if you look at our, our, our games over the next month, if we don't win that, we are in massive trouble, massive trouble. We have Leicester, Leicester away, we have Wolves, Wolves at home, we have Tottenham away. If I mean, if we don't start winning now, we're going to have to really have serious, serious conversations about the season in general. I mean, I mean, look, Fulham haven't lost a game in their last six, that includes in a win against QPR in the, in the FA Cup. Mm. Um, conceded one goal in each of the last six games. It's one goal or less each of the last six games. It's, um, and we have looked shaky at the back. Um, unimaginative at best going forward, um, lacking a cohesion, lacking creativity, and ultimately lacking goals, it doesn't bode well. It doesn't bode well because if we were like free-flowing, you know, scoring at Akanta, scoring at will, you know, all of our players are in good form, then you'd obviously take and trust yourself to to beat a, a damage or a, a, a fallen team. Um you need to bear in mind that Liverpool obviously were held to a draw. Man City beat them. Um, Tottenham were held to a draw. And Tottenham, you know, have got two of the most potent attackers in the league. Uh, for, uh, Liverpool have also two of the most attacking, um, potent attackers in the league. I think, yeah, you'd, you'd expect to beat, um, to beat Fulham, but it might be a lot harder than we, we, we think. I think a lot of the fans might be might come in for a bit of a surprise um, when it comes to that game. Adding the fact that it's a London derby and the fact that it's Frank Lampard versus Scott Parker, the young managers that want to test and prove themselves. Oh, man, it could be a bit of a mess, man. And I, I you know me, I, I've, I'm very, I'm very vocal about Frank Lampard and my opinion on him um, as a coach. I don't think he's the man to take us forward. I definitely think he did a good, decent job last season, at the very least, about blooding some players through, albeit not all, um, which you can't do anyway. You have to... The fact that he managed to do, I guess, about four or five is a a testament to himself. Um, Getting top four, um, despite not having any players to buy, again, you can't really complain. that He did his remake, he did his job. That being said, when you go out and spend £220 million on six or seven players, you get Thiago Silva on a free, experienced winner. Yeah, it doesn't look great, does it? It doesn't look great for us to be languishing in ninth. It doesn't look great. I'm just thinking, I'm wondering, where do we go if we don't get a win against Fulham? Where do we go from here? Because there's an awful lot of talk about, you know, Frank, you know, being backed by the board to see out his his plan. But Chelsea can't really afford to not be in the Champions League. So then it becomes a funny balancing act between giving a person or giving a manager who is a legend at the club the time to, to turn it around and the time to really steer us in the direction that he wants to steer us in. Between financial... Well, having been financially impacted massively, 
by not getting us in the top four and moving it almost a bit too late for the new guy to come in and react. It's just a bit of a mess. It's a, it's a bit of a mess. So I'm just, I'm, I am deeply concerned. I won't lie to you. I am deeply concerned um, because it, it, it does, it does look ominous. I can't lie. I'm just, I'm really struggling to really see. I'm not to say that we might, not, we might, we what we, what, will be enabled to win the game against Fulham. It's very possible. And very, in fact, to say possible is almost a bit of a disrespect because of the players that we have. But yeah, I don't know. There's something, there's a feeling in my gut that it it will just be a, a bit of a tepid drab performance. And I'm hoping I'm wrong. I'm hoping I'm wrong because the player, we've got the players to do it. Obviously it depends on selection. Um, but- what do you see the key, what do you see the key matchups in terms of squads for me? Um, It'll be the wingers, the wingers versus the fullbacks. Yeah, I was going to say, so obviously we don't know if Reese James is going to be fit. He posted a, a post on social media the other day saying that he's back. Um, but we don't know. Are you going to play, you want to play Reese James up against a, a flying Lookman who, again, he's really, really good form. Really? Is that really sensible? I don't know. I don't know. Um, he's not a better, not, not much of a better alternative. Aspie has not been great at all. Um, and obviously, Chilwell, he's looked a little bit lax over the last couple of weeks. He's not really been looking himself as well. So it could be a bit of a mess. It could be a bit of a mess. And I don't see Hakim Ziyech getting a lot of joy against um, Robinson. So I can see him playing in front of him in terms of that diag. So if he's going to be whipping in that diag, you don't want to be whipping it to um, like Timo Werner. Yeah. as the striker you want it to be Tammy or Giroud then yeah. um, I feel like you might even if he goes for Christian Pulisic if the dribbling's not on um, even then I think um, Ola Aina would prefer someone who just wants to run at him because he'll just step into you get his body get get his shoulder in and then yeah. he'll muscle him off the ball yeah. so even from a from a matchup perspective I'd go for um, Callum who can do that um, and also create as well. He can also play make if it's not, if, if the dribble's not coming off. Yeah. yeah, it's a weird one. It's a weird one because Ola Aina, I've, I've watched him since he was like a kid, so I know he's a good defender and he's very good one v one. I'm just trying to think who would he prefer playing up against, and I'd probably say it'd probably be Christian, only because he won't. Like he just needs to really kind of get tight. I think if 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 for example he's given a space to to dribble and exploit that space, um, then yeah, he he Pusic could do damage. He could yeah. get past pretty much anybody. But would he be getting? Would he get the space against the Fulham team? It will be compact, be hard. It will, they'll definitely double up against him, and they'll definitely double up against on Christian Pulisic as well. Um, and Christian isn't really a great cross off the ball. Isn't really incisive in his final third passing. Um, he's very incisive with his final third dribbling, but I'm just trying to think who's the, who in this current moment in time would be the most likely to to do damage to Fulham. And you'd probably say Callum just on form. And if we're gonna start, if we're not gonna be rewarding players for being in good form, then what's the point? What, what's yeah, what's yeah. actually the point? Um, but I definitely I. I could see Lampard starting Pulisic, Werner, and Ziyech because that that was his preferred. I guess well, he said that that's his 
that's what he imagined when he signed all of the, well, he signed Ziyech and Werner. So I wouldn't be surprised. Um, it'd be a bit of a mess, but I wouldn't be surprised. Um, yeah. And, and um, the midfield. Now we're yeah, at- that's that's the battle. I think that's going to be the big battle there. Yeah. So, so how would you guys play that midfield? Because even me, I'm struggling to kind of think. Like, you know, Kovacic has been a bit out of sorts. Um, Mason Mount's been tired, but he's probably had a full week's rest for the first time. Well, two for the first time in two weeks. Um, so there's Mount. Obviously, Mount's going to play. Would you play Habits in the ten? How how do you how are you guys doing it, Babs? Um, you know, I think this is a, it's a kind of game where we may see a, a, a repeat of last season where we, where we saw teams like just running through our midfield mm. because without Kante, and I feel like without him and having Jorginho there. Although we may, we, although we would have the um, control when we have the ball, when we're off the ball, that's where the, that's where the main problems are going to be with Anguissa running through. Um, I feel like it's very, very problematic if you look at our the composition as well because we have two very similar play, players in build with Jorginho and Gilmore, mm-hmm. and I, I don't think either of them will be physically able to take on Anguissa running through. I th- I do feel it, a lot of it's going to be down to how we actually approach the game. I feel like if we approach it in a way where we want to actually just hold possession and, you know, just control the game, I feel like it is a game for Jorginho and Kovacic to play. Even though I'm not the biggest fan, I feel like having them there play, it will allow Kai Havertz to actually run forward and do what he does best in terms of exploiting space. Yeah. You know, um, I also feel like it's going to be a big problem because I'm a bit worried that we may play both him and Mount. Not that, not that Mount's a talented player, but I feel like it's going to be a game where we're going to want to have a second midfielder to actually you know, control that middle third and ping passes into our wingers and ping passes into our attacking player, you know. But then again, you know, I, I won't complain if Mark plays, you know, I'm always happy to see him on the pitch. But yeah, that's 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 it for me, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. Again, at midfield, I do agree that Kovacic and Jorginho do have a good connection and good combination, but is that a midfielder strong enough against mm. that? Against yeah, physically it's very worrying. Physically, is it there against that team? I'm not convinced. I'm not actually convinced whatsoever. So, that being said, Tim, how how would you construct this midfield? It's a bit of a headache, to be honest. The nervousness that we're all feeling, um, I think, stems from the underlying issue that there's not a clear midfield balance in that team with the personnel that we have available. And I feel like that starts from the lack of a true holding midfielder um, to use a um, Everton as an example, um, you have Allen, who's the undisputed holding midfielder who provides cover on the defensive end. And then you have, um, whether it be a um, James or Andre Gomez, who is more offensive to create and add that um, attacking impetus from midfield to assist the front three. Then you have um, uh, a box to box eight in Decore, who is solid on both sides of on both ends of the field. Um, Brighton have Bissouma. Um, I think our closest equivalent would be uh, Mason Mount. But because we have, um, it's either going to be Billy Gilmore or Jorginho, our box to box eight needs to be instead of a 50-50 attack to defence, it's going to be a 60-40 or even 70-30 on the defence because it's been a 60 
40. It's probably actually been a 70-30 with N'Golo Kante, especially against teams where um, where we need to, where, where N'Golo just want, we need to move the ball quickly. So Kante's always needed that out ball. Against Fulham specifically, it's a conundrum, honestly. It's a conundrum because I expect, I fully expect Mason Mount to play and give us uh, what he has been giving us in terms of staying close to, staying close by and being defensively, uh, a defensive support to whoever is in that um, role in front of the back four, whether it's Billy Gilmore or Jorginho. I feel like as well as Billy played, um, Jorginho will probably get the nod. And then, do you go for Kai Havertz? Um, personally, I think he's the creative spark. I feel like if we don't, we give him Kovacic. He's going to. He's not going to be a defensive liability, but he's not going to give us a lot going forward. He's going to retain possession, and that's about it. So I would probably say ultimately, uh, Kai Havertz should be starting. Mason Mount should also be starting because um, for all um, the criticisms of him, he still gives you. Um, energy and he doesn't leave his holding midfielder out to dry which is definitely the last thing we need when we're unsure about what defensive midfield what defensive midfielder is going to start whether it's Jorginho or Billy Gilmore I mean I, I, I feel like Mason now yeah for all his hard work and his endeavour I do feel like Mason I wouldn't say that he leaves his players out to dry I don't think he does that but I do think that he isn't defensively as switched on as I'd like um Considering that he, I don't think he gives that much going forward, um, apart from his high energy play, but I don't think he gives us much either side. Like, again, it's not me bashing him at all. I just don't think, well, maybe, okay, let's put it like this. Maybe it's because he's been tired in the last couple of weeks where I don't feel like he's been given enough. But I just, I don't know. I, 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 I think it's tactical. Yeah, in a, in a yeah, in an ideal world, I think he'd be utilized a little bit differently, um, because I think that he's much better behind the ball um, than anything else. Um, but it just makes me see it's going to be a very difficult game, and I don't, I, I can't, I can't envision it being an easy match. I really can't. I, I just think it's going to be a very very tough game, not only because of the personnel that we've got missing, but just because we're so off form. Fulham are looking in good nick. It could be a bit, it could be a messy one, but I hope not. I hope not. And obviously, beyond that, we've got the Leicester game. Um, which well, yeah. I, I've got serious, I've got a massive, massive, massive fear of that game. You know, I've, I've got really, really serious fears. You know, I, if you guys remember the Everton game, you know, DCL he played off Thiago Silva, due yeah, to his physical and you know, problems and and. And I wouldn't be surprised if Vardy does the exact same thing, you know, yeah. those final runs with the shoulder. And yeah, it's going to be, a, that would have been the perfect kind of game for like a Tomori to play, but I, I yeah. highly doubt that's going to happen. I think Tomori is obviously going out on loan and that we obviously we've touched on the treatment of Tomori for quite some time. And we don't really want to beat a dead horse, but um, where do you think would be a, bit, a good loan for him to go? Because obviously there's talks of leads, sorts of many suitors, apparently AC Milan want him as well. I think he's he's got the pick of the bunch because he is a fantastic defender. Um, it's almost weird how he's not even regressed, but how he's just been shunted to the side. Um, yeah. Anyone yeah. have any ideas as to why? Because um, I'm I'm stumped and I can't lie. Yeah, I, I feel like we've we've come to like a point where like he's like a forgotten 
the forgotten player now. Like nobody ever, nobody questions Lampard in the presses. You know, nobody really makes mention of it. And I feel like we've come to a point where we actually need to actually find a reason, you know, as to why he hasn't played because there have been plenty of opportunities. You know, we saw that game in the second half against Liverpool. You know, he got he's got his plaudits for a good performance. And since then, aside from um, Spurs and, and the League Cup, where he didn't he didn't put a foot wrong. You know, we haven't seen him. Maybe so, it was um, sorry. Maybe it was because he had the the audacity or the confidence, basically, to just say, I'm not going on loan to West Ham. Um, because David Moyes, from what I hear from um, the Athletic and people on, um, who are in the know about these things, um, they were happy, West, the West Ham board were happy to um, instill a unused substitute fee when he wasn't involved and they were happy to pay that because they thought they thought he was going to get he was going to get a look in all the time it came down to David Moyes having that conversation and saying you're going to have to work and Tomori not feeling confident maybe um maybe him just like saying I do not want to go to this place going and it's just kind of set people back uh in terms of where he should go as his destination I think France honestly um who was it that wanted him? Um, was it Bren or Nice? Yeah, Nice. I think Nice went and got. Um, they got Saliba from Arsenal, so I think maybe Rennes might be an option. Bren, um, uh, yeah. So I would, I would, I'd probably go there because they had interest in him last season. So I would probably go with the guys who've wanted me the longest. So they're not gonna pursue you that long to see you on the bench I feel with the AC Milan move it's one of them one it's one of those situations where if it's too good to be true it probably is similar to Ampadu at Leipzig I mean AC Milan are very very close to winning the title and to drop in and to drop in Tomori um, send him on loan there and think yeah he's going to start um, he's going to get into the side it's just too good to be true yeah. especially when we've seen it um, with our loan needs in terms of Charlie Masonda went on loan to, to Celtic and this was even worse because they'd won the league yeah. um, but the manager was like out of obligation and loyalty to the guys who've won me the title I need to keep playing them and he never saw minutes so I would if it's it just looks too good to be true um, with the AC Milan move and then imagine if all of a sudden Simicam becomes available and they end up getting both like it's very unlikely, but imagine if that happens, Simicans playing because that's their player and that's their guy that they really wanted. Mm. So I would go to I, I would go to Ren um, and see what they can do. If I was Tomori, I'd be looking at that Milan situation like, hmm, great club, great history, but I'm not going there if I'm not bought. If I'm just going there on loan, I'm not going there. I'm not going there because as a loan player. It, you generally aren't, unless you're like of the top tier, you're generally not a manager's priority. His players are his priority. So why is he going to look, like why is the manager going to look at him and say, okay, let me develop this player for Chelsea. That's not really, it doesn't, that doesn't really work. It's not going to work like that. So I think for him, he needs to go somewhere because he's not really played much for 18 months. So he, well, 12 months, I'd say, shall I say but he's not really played for that long. He needs to go somewhere where he feels he's going to, one, be in a competitive environment, but also play. I think that's very, very important for Tomori because otherwise it'd just be a failed loan and a failed 18 months, which is just not good enough, especially for a player of his calibre, of his ilk and his standing. Um, I don't think that'd be good 
um, for him. Yeah. And yeah. Even, even, even adding on to that, sorry to interrupt you, but a loan at this point in time is one of the most important loans because we have the Euros coming up. Mm. So that means you have to, if, and I mean, as, as short of a time period it is, you have six months to get yourself in Gareth Southgate's mind to get on a plane and for him to take a loan to AC Milan where he's not necessarily guaranteed game times, it can be a risk. Mm-hmm. It, it's a risk where is 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 high risk, high reward, you know? Like, if he, if he does get game time and he helps Milan, you know, challenge for the league, mm. you know, it's amazing. But if he if he's there on the bench, you know, he's getting bit part minutes, it's a bit of a, you know, yeah. It's a bit of a waste. Ultimately, exactly. Exactly. I don't, I don't, I'm hoping that he, he he doesn't go there. And if he does go there, I hope he goes and plays. But ultimately, for the sake of his career, I'd much prefer if he went to another club like Rems and just get games, man. I think yeah. that's important thing for him, just to show what he can do. Um, obviously, you're going to get um, the English bias so once you're playing in England and you know, out of sight, out of mind, it'll be a bit difficult for tomorrow. But I genuinely feel like he... He needs to go out and play just for himself, just for the sake of his own career. Um, obviously, that being said, we don't know if Lampard's going to be here next season. If he turns it around and obviously turns us into a good footballing side and a competitive footballing team, amazing. Like you know, he could stay, but it doesn't look great at the minute. It doesn't mm. look great at the minute. Well, almost like the stuff of te- the stuff of fairy tales, you know. Yeah, it doesn't look great at the minute. Um, but you know, you, no one wants to see the legend sack. But as a manager and a player, you, you know, I think we need to understand that it's very different. The, the, Lampard's star as a player, as a you know former Chelsea player, is never going to be tainted, never going to be changed, never going to be shifted because it's written in history. What he done for the club is written in history. As a player, winning and lifting that Champions League, winning multiple titles, he's done what he's done top goal scorer in our history I don't think that no one could talk about Lampard in terms of a player and what he's achieved as accolades as a player no one could talk badly about Lampard I certainly wouldn't speak badly about Lampard but as a manager there's a lot of things that I can say as a manager because you have to separate the manager from the player and I know it's very difficult I know our fans kind of struggle to deal with it because I think ultimately he's so intrinsically tied with the successes of our club it's almost like sacrilege that way we have to criticize him. But as fans, we can only criticize what we see. And I'm trying to be objective. We're trying to be objective here. Um, and we, of course, we don't want to see Lampard fail. We don't want him to fail as a manager. But what you're seeing on the pitch isn't great. It actually isn't great. And um, we, we, we have to call it as we see it. At this moment in time, it's just not looking great. But yeah, like we said, hopefully, I, like I said, I hope that it obviously could turn it around. But if not, then his star as a manager doesn't change. As a man, I mean, as a player doesn't change. As a manager, he failed in this season's remit, but last season he succeeded. So he can go and leave the club with his head held high. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just one of those things. It's just one of those things. But it's a, like I said, it's, a, it's just a bit of a mess. Um, the Fulham game, what would be your starting 11s? I'm going to have to... Yeah, let's let's put it like this. What's your start on eleven? Because I know it's a str- it's a struggle. It's difficult, um, considering everything. And that midfield area, it's very difficult. But what would your start on eleven, Tim? Um, I feel like the goalkeeper picks itself. Um, 
in terms of the back four, the usual back four, Chilwell, Thiago Silva, Kurt Zuma, and then I'll probably go for Asper Equator just for the fact that I feel like it's it's too tricky a, a job. Um, Lookman is in absolute form. Um, and although I've got my reservations about putting Aspie against him, uh, I feel like to drop Reese James in it straight away, um, it's just too risky and it's it will be negligent of the manager to just shove Reese in in that situation, given how Arsenal turned out. Um, obviously, I said in the midfield, I'd go for a 4-3-3 as a formation. Um I'd go for Kai Havertz, uh, Mason Mount on left centre mid. And oh, as tough as it is, I'd probably go for um Jorginho just for the fact that um just just for the fact that he's got that that experienced head on his shoulders. And if you're gonna go with Kai Havertz, you need that discipline. And yeah. if he gets caught further up the field, um you have someone who's been in those situations before. Mm. So um, for all the uh, criticism I have of Jorginho, um, I feel like he would be better to, I feel like he'd be more experienced to deal with those defensive uh, vulnerability situations on the counter. And then um, front three, I'm going um, the man in form, Callum Hudson-Odoi, 100%. Um, I'm probably going to go with... um, Olivier Giroud because I don't think they're going to play with a particularly high line and um, to break them down our wingers won't be get won't be bursting into the box against their full their their fullbacks who are very good one-on-one defenders so I think we'll be playing in front of those two fullbacks so a lot of crosses will go in um, so Giroud should take advantage of that and then obviously Hakim Ziyech even though I don't think he'll get much joy in terms of um, in behind uh, Robinson, but uh, he's uh, he he's a player that we clearly missed the last few games um, since before Man City, so he needs to get those. He he, he needs to be involved. Okay. And Babs, your team. Mm, yeah, I think it's an interesting it's, it's an interesting lineup because we have to also keep in mind the Leicester game is what three days afterwards, so. Mm-hmm. Although I do agree with Timpson that Reese James throwing him in immediately will be tough, but I do also have to say that I feel like there's another left winger at Leicester that's been on form in Harvey Barnes. And I feel like right now we need to give Reese his game time. So maybe um, giving Reese 45 minutes, you know, either side of the either side of the game, that would be important. But yeah, to start, I'd probably go Emerson at left back just to rest Chilwell a bit more. You know, give get get Chilwell hungry again, hungry again for game time. Um, in terms of the back two, we have to go to Zuma and um, Rudiger maybe because I feel like Rudiger in that last game he played a good game. I can't fault him, and I feel like if we are going off merit, merit I, I feel like he does. I feel like he does deserve to play. You know, I can't fault him, man. I can fault him. I feel like Rudiger. Nah, I can fault him. Mm. Rudiger's a bum. The only thing is, I agree, but nah, let me explain, yeah, because this guy. Again, I've talked about this. I've talked about this before. When it comes to lazy passing, lazy possession, he's one of the worst in the club. One of mm. the worst. I'm a, I think he is genuinely terrible when it comes to that element. He's got a good long diag, a decent long diag, but his general passing is very sloppy. He's very sloppy. I think mean, even, okay, against a team that had more attacking impetus, we would have been killed against Morgan. Because all um, all Rudiger kept doing was pushing up against a striker, losing the physical duel, losing the battle, and the ball gets nodded on or bounces over him. If there was an attacking team, we'd have been punished. 
And that happened about seven times. Seven times in a single match. It's not good enough. It's not good enough. I don't, I, I couldn't have him there. I don't think that ever would ever be happening to Thiago Silva. I think Thiago Silva will come up again. And their striker wasn't even that physical. So Thiago Silva may struggle against the proper physical and dominant players, like the airily dominant players. But Rudiger just generally struggles against any striker that uses, uses a bit of his body. I can't have it. I, 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 I don't support that decision. I don't support it. But at the same time, it's your team. Yeah, I mean, it's your team. <laughs> it, was a, it was a pretty wild shot. Like, okay. Personally... Personally, I'd go with Fick, but you know we're not going to see him anytime soon. Lampard. It's your team, but I'll, yeah. so my team. Um, but wait, anyway, so yeah, so so carrying on. Oh, no, so yeah, so carrying on. I'd probably go Aspia right back just for the first forty-five minutes with a view mm-hmm. of giving Reese's forty-five. In the midfield, I go with Jorginho and Kovacic. Um, I don't know if you guys have recognised it, but I don't think I've actually seen a midfield of Jorginho on his own with Mount and Kai. And I feel like that may be by design in terms of actual control of the game and actual midfield composition, you know? So I feel like that, in terms of playing those two and allowing Kai to get forward, that's important. As, you know, it's probably going to be unpopular of me to say, but I would play Pulisic on the left. Yeah. I would play out. And I can see Tim sitting there, he's hands on his head, but I would play Pulisic on his left. I feel like this is the kind of game where Pulisic is going to explode. And for me personally, I'm more confident in Cho that he's going to play well on either side of the pitch. Obviously, I would hope for there to be view for the wingers to be rotating. You know, and we do we know that Pulisic isn't a big fan of doing that, but you know, hopefully that does happen. And up top, it's going to be I know it's going to be another um, unpopular shot, but I'm going to say Tammy, Tammy, well, and this is why you know Tammy. I don't, you know, I don't I, think he's, I don't I'm think he's. Mad. I'm not mad at it. I'm not mm, mad because you know I don't think Tammy's actually been given a game since that um, Arsenal game. You know, where he came off the bench. And I feel like against like a, a team come, like Fulham, I, I feel like, yeah, Tam, yeah, sorry, Tammy started the game, yeah. So I, I, since, since that game, I don't think he's had a start. And personally for me, under Lampard's tenure, we haven't seen a more exciting front three than Pulisic, Cho and Tammy in that 30 minute cameo against Liverpool. If you guys remember that, that 30 mm-hmm. minutes. We haven't seen anything as exciting as that. And I feel like to do, and I feel like this may be the game where we have to try it, you know. I know okay, Lampard's so- going to be tempted to play Werner, so it's Hakim Ziyech on the right or Cho on the right? Cho on the right. Cho on the right. Mm-hmm. Cho on the right. Okay. Um, okay, fair enough. Um, I don't really begrudge the Tammy shot, to be honest. And everyone knows I'm not his biggest fan, but I do agree in terms of what he could give you and you'd be able to stretch a team. I think Tammy might be a decent shot. I do think he, there's still so many ele- elements of his game that I think he needs to improve. But I'll, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Um, my team would obviously be Edward Mendy at the back. Um, he's been a little bit off colour recently. He's not really looked um, as solid. Reassuring, yeah. I, I do feel like that kind of because the defence in front of him is making him a little bit nervous. But also, I think that just generally his, his shot stopping hasn't been as excellent as it was. That being said, it's still about 65 to 67%, which is very, very good. Um, oh, right back. Oh, it's difficult because do you throw Reese back in? But I don't know if Reese's injury was a fresh injury. From what I recall, it was still that knee injury that they're managing. So yeah. I'd probably the put as well. Yeah, yeah. I'd put I'd put Reese in. I'd probably say put Reese at right back. Um, because again, where we lack creativity, you might hope that Reese might be creative. One of the creative outlets. Good point. Yeah, it's good. Point. Um, 
So Reese, obviously Zuma, Thiago Silva, um, left back, Chilwell. Yeah, we'll go with Chilwell. Um, Emerson was super attacking against Morgan. Why was that so hard, Means? Um, only because <laughs> I find like, and there's no agenda. I feel like um, Chilwell struggled recently, um, not necessarily for form. I just feel like fatigue is really starting to take its toll on him. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, yeah, I, I think because the thing is with Emerson, Emerson was. He was all right against Morecambe, I feel. I don't think he was great. I think he was all right. He was a, an offensive threat, especially in the first half. But my issue was he was too far up the pitch. And if he starts trying to take the piss again, we could get punished. So I'm just like, well, Chilwell's a bit more balanced, in my opinion, as a, as a, as a fullback. I'll ask you a question on Emerson specifically to both of you. Lot. Um, it's apparent that um, Frank Lampard would rather rush back Ben Chilwell than play... Emerson against any reasonable opposition. So there's clearly no trust in him to be um, an ample backup. The question is, Ian Martin is playing really well at Charlton, but that's League One, so he's probably a season or two away from uh, being able to be a backup. In that meantime, um, that year or two, do we stick with Emerson or do we look to get um, a better... Uh, do, we, do we look to upgrade in terms of backup left-backs in, that, in the meantime? I, I personally think I think Emerson's what 26, 27. Mm. I think you'd be hard pressed to get a replacement left back that wouldn't say that is as good, but that's on the bench. Yeah, exactly. It's very yeah. difficult to get a player that's willing to just chill on the bench for half the season. And whilst Emerson wants to play, he's not really one to kick up a fuss. You know what I mean? Like whenever like people there's murmurs about him wanting to leave. He always shuts it down very, very quickly and very poignantly. It's nice, um, but man, I don't. I, I, I do think that Matson maybe a season or two away. From, you're right. I definitely agree with you, Tim. Um, he, he's definitely a couple seasons away from really breaking into the first team. Um, so yeah, I don't. I'm not really a big believer in buying bench players or replacement bench players. I don't really believe in that. I believe in utilising your academy um, and then finding the, the solution within. So I think Matson would be a good option for that, for sure. Obviously, Ben, ben Chilwell's still only 22, 23. So, yeah. I'll tell you what I would do in the in, in the meantime while I wait for Matson to build up that experience to be to compete with Chilwell. Um, I think Patrick Van Arnholt is out of contract soon because he's on the bench today against Crystal Palace. Um, this is a guy who left Chelsea ultimately and left the whole loan army system because he wanted consistency. He had a family. He wants. He was stable. As someone who currently lives in um, London, um, offering him a two-year deal just to say, come play with Chelsea, put yourself in a shop window in terms of you've gone from Crystal Palace to a team that competes in the Champions League on a relatively regular basis. Um, you won't, obviously we've got Ben Chilwell, but there'll be enough games because we're competing on multiple fronts. I feel like uh, the stability of not having to leave London um, with his family in mind, and it is an it is essentially an upgrade. I think that might be enough to entice him to be a rotation option because, um, and I've seen how players have bought into that. Like look at Nathan Ake, obviously Bournemouth were relegated, but he definitely came in knowing he wasn't going to be first choice, but um, he's been rotated in. So I would I would seriously look at that. 
I do think yeah. I do think it's slightly different. Only, but, and I definitely agree. I, I like Andy Van Aanholt. He's a good player. Um, I think it's slightly different because Van Aanholt is at the peak of his career now. He's 29. Yeah, he's 30, yeah. Yeah, so would he... Well, I mean, he might be willing to come and sit on the bench, but will Chelsea really be buying a player that's not of a, a high quality to come in? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. You're on mute. He's an upgrade on Emerson, regardless. <laughs> That's a Dutch international. Yeah, I'd say so. I'd say so. Just about. I think PVA is not the greatest defender, but he's very good going forward. Very dynamic going forward. So, yeah, it, that's an option. That's an option. Um, I don't really think it's that much of a concern too much mm. right now, especially considering how young Chihuahua is, how young Emerson is. Um but, but it's, it's a funny one. I think obviously Alonso's probably going to be out the door this month. Um, quite a few people going out of the door this month as well. Um, but yeah, it's just a funny one right now. And oh, yeah, my, my my team... Did I, did I finish my team? Oh, no, you, you, you start... You, you ended up with Chilwell. Yeah, okay, so yeah, obviously um, Emerson or... So yeah, I'd say Alonso... I'd say, sorry, Chilwell at left-back. Um, that midfield. Mm, it's a tough one. Tough man. I don't feel comfortable with any of them in there. <laughs> I don't feel comfortable at all. I don't feel comfortable at all. I feel so uncomfortable. That midfield, man. Uh, if like if it was Billy, uh, if it was Billy Gilmore that we saw against Everton, cool. Yeah. Billy Gilmore that we saw against Liverpool, cool. I love that. Uh, can I really reference that many Jorginho games where he completely patterns an entire physical midfield? I mean, Crystal Palace away last season where he came on for 30 minutes and just settled everything mm. down. Even, even this season, even this season, he did a yeah. good job. Yeah, I, I, you know what? I'm going to go with Jorginho. I'll, I'll go with Jorginho. Um, nah, nah, nah. It's, I, it's so tough. I won't. I can't because I can't. I can physically. I can like visually imagine him getting fisted up by um, no, by Angisa. I could physic. I could literally see it, and it was right in my face. Mm. So but then I, again, on the other side, Gilmore. Because I'm gonna say Gilmore because Gilmore, although he isn't physically imposing, he has a lot more bite. Mm. Ten- that, yeah, tenacity. Yeah, and he's a lot more tenacious. So I'm gonna say Gilmore. Just, just. So I say Gilmore, obviously Kai Havertz, Mason Mount because he's going to play. Although I would have probably played Kovacic and Kai Havertz together um, because they last time they played they looked good. Mm. Against Sevilla they looked really good. So there was a good balance there. Um, so yeah, that'd be my midfield and up front, Callum Hudson-Odoi on the left hand side because he'll be able to create and score. Um, Hakim Ziyech on the right because Hakim Ziyech can pick out those passes to find players like Kadim Hasan-Doi or like a striker to get in behind and score the goal. Now, in terms of my number nine, oh, it's tough. I don't particularly rate um, Fulham's defence, although they've been playing extremely deep of late. Mm. Really want to be much space to run in behind, so and you know what, you, you just made a very good point. Yeah, I think Timo Werner might struggle. I do think Tammy Abraham also might struggle, although Adebarayo is um, he's not super strong. I think just you want someone to, and he's he's really young, I think he's only just 20. So yeah, 
want someone to kind of rough, rough him up a bit. And I think Oli G would be the guy. So I think I'll play Olivier Giroud. F it. Because Oli G, whenever he plays, he scores goals. Whenever he plays, he gives the defence a little bit of problems and a bit of a headache. And he'll be able to bring in others into play. Now, in terms of bringing others into play, that's where it becomes a bit more tricky. Because you're going to have to rely heavily on Kai Havertz's vertical runs and Hudson-Odoi's runs in behind to actually cause damage. Because ZH ain't running anywhere. Um, And Olivier Giroud's not really running anywhere. But with smart play... I think Olivier Giroud might be the solution. And I'd, I'd back us to score goals with Oli in the team. Timo Werner, again, I, I think I think he, he might, but right now I'm still not entirely sure of his confidence. Um, but I wouldn't be grudge Lampard for picking um, Timo Werner, especially after he scored midweek. But I personally would pick Olivier Giroud. Um, because that way as well, you, you could benefit from Hakim Ziyech and Callum, Callum Hudson-Odoi's crossing ability um, to, I guess, pose another threat in the box. So when you've got Kai Havertz, who's very good in the air, you've got Olivier Giroud, that's very good in the air. Then you've got the runs in behind from um, Callum Hudson-Odoi. Then you've got the creativity from Callum Hudson-Odoi. Um, and you've got Ziyech picking out those passes and crosses. I think that might make the most sense. I, like, for me, just like just trying to do the math, that makes the most sense out mm-hmm. of the lot, rather than a Tammy and Timo Werner, where the math for me isn't mathing at all. So I'm just, yeah, yeah, that, that's it for me. Question. What? Is there hope for Timo Werner in terms of being able to lead the line, or just is he not? A, is he just not a good fit for this team? Is there anything we can do to to turn it around for him? I, I think there is a I think there is hope, of course, because um, he's a very good player. Um, I just feel like under Frank's stewardship might be a little bit difficult because I don't think Frank has a true understanding of what Timo Werner is and how he likes to play. Um, and when you have poor, like I look at Timo Werner sometimes and I think, all right, bro, you know what? I'm not even mad at you today. I'm not even mad because you're making these runs over and over and over. Yeah, yeah. I see it, bro. So I get it. I understand. So it's not that I understand that because of touch. I don't. It's not that I understand that, you know, I will accept the poor first touch, the poor technical ability. No, that's poor. He needs to work on that. But when it comes to the runs and trying to be effective in the game and trying to make these passes, trying to, trying to, trying to be a threat and no one's finding you, I could see, I could, I get it. I, I, I get that annoyance. Um, but there's definitely hope. He's a very good player, still only 24 years of age. Um, definitely got the, the capacity to score loads and loads of goals. I just feel like maybe on the Frank Lampard and the way that he likes his teams to play, it might be a problem. But long term, I think he'll be fine. I feel like he's a bad fit. I just don't see it. Um, he needs to develop the hold up, the hold up play. I said this in the group chat. He needs to learn how to hollow out. Um, small men like Sergio Aguero um, have been able to hold up the ball and, and link play, but he looks clueless when he's dropping deep. He's just like, yeah, I've got to come deep because I'm not seeing the ball, but I don't know what to do kind of thing. Um, obviously, we mentioned that um, he has he had the similar number of expected goals per 90, um, but he's just not finishing. So that's another thing. Then he's so niche in how he plays um, as a two, 
It's like it's like a player that says, I can only play as a number 10, in my opinion. You can't play as a lone striker. That's very, very odd in the modern in, in the modern day game. So um I've just got reservations. And obviously Lampard initially wanted to take advantage of the contract situation with um Abamyang. So he 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 wanted Abamyang and Chelsea and Chelsea Arsenal were like Chelsea were like, we're not looking to pay what um he would want as a free agent and um, we don't think he's a good uh, we don't think he's a good asset so he's like how about Timo Werner oh yeah similar enough so I'm I, you could you, you might even have a look at the recruitment and say um, he fits the mould as a young resellable asset with potential um, in comparison to Aubameyang but in terms of how his positional and how he fits tactically, um, I think maybe Lampard didn't look enough into that into that element of he, of, of of the signing. Mm. I think that's a fair point. That's a fair point. I do feel like, uh, okay, I do feel like it's funny because I feel Timo Werner, in, particularly in Germany, was very similar to the, the in terms of just the way that they play, the aggression which they play, very similar to a, a, a young. Um, Jamie Vardy of four, four or five years ago um, but since coming to England I feel like his game is a lot more like the Vardy of now so Vardy isn't really getting into the hustles and bustles he's running the channels and he's getting into you know finding a man 1v1 and then trying to burn him with his speed um, but I feel like now he's a lot less physical I think that Timo Werner needs to be a lot more aggressive in his play I do see him shirking out of challenges often. I do see him shirking out of 50-50s, which I find a bit crazy. Because I'm like, mate, if you just showed a bit of aggression there, you get the ball, you could probably... Exactly. Exactly. You never know you could win. I'm just like, ah. So I definitely understand your reservations, bro. And it's definitely not me saying, oh, yeah, you're you're, you're bugging out. No, I definitely see it. I definitely understand it. Um, It just remains to be seen, bro. We just have to wait and see, man. We have to wait and see... Um, I just hope that Frank, if not Frank, then another manager could come in and probably get the uh, get a, a tune out of him and understand what 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 he's really about. Because right now I, I look at him and I look at the way Lampard's playing him and using him, and it's just not looking great. It's not looking great at all. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna get your score predictions for the game. Um, you know, it was supposed to be tomorrow night or when this pod comes out, but um, it's going to be on Saturday now. It's been moved as a result of the Corona outbreak. Um, so. What would your score predictions be and goal scorers? Timson. 2-0 Chelsea, um, Olivier Giroud and Callum Hudson-Odoi. Interesting. Okay, okay. Not bad. Um, Babs. Mm. I think it's going to be a tough one because Fulham, as you said, they've not really conceded a lot of goals and we've not really, you know, been the best in terms of being a front of goals. So... I feel like I'm going to have to go with maybe your 1-1 or a 2-1 Chelsea, maybe edge it. And in terms of goal scorers, I'll probably go Lookman, probably Tammy, and maybe Pulisic. I feel like he could be. I feel like. I, I, I feel like it's going to be. I feel like it's going to be a very, very good game for Pulisic this game. Two one or one one. Two one. I'm, I'm going to go two one. I'll go two one. I'll go two one. Um. Okay. All right. Um, it can go either way, man. It can yeah. go way. Um, I think it might be. I think it might. Whilst you know Fulham are struggling and trying to get their first win or trying to get a win. Oh, you know what that means, man. You know what that means, man. Oh, we, man, charity FC, man. 
We often give gifts, so I would. It wouldn't surprise me if we. I've said this before. I said we lost against Arsenal when we when Arsenal game came out. I said I would not be surprised if we lost against Arsenal. People called me crazy. People said I was talking crap. People said that I was a pessimist. Lo and behold, we lost the game, and I'm getting that same that very same feeling that I got against Arsenal. I'm getting it today, tonight. I'm thinking uh, we might just gift them points here. Um, but I'm going to try and be optimistic and say 2-1 Chelsea. Um, I'm going to probably go with Timson's goal scorers. Um, I'm going to say uh, De Cordova-Reed to score for them and Hudson-Odoi and Olivier Giroud to get the goals. Hakim Ziyech with both assists. No, Hakim Ziyech with an assist for Giroud or mm. Hudson-Odoi with an assist for Giroud. Havertz with an assist for Can Hudson-Odoi. Yeah, I've got a question for you guys. Yeah, I know it's one of the key things I feel like we've just raised um, in this podcast is just from Kante being gone is the midfield. Mm. You know the midfield, and I feel like it's not going to be an issue that's going to go go with the next manager. So, like, what do you guys think could be the the next fit? Do you think it's a new DM from the loan army? Maybe do you think it's going to be a, a new signing? What do you guys think it's going to be? I think it might be a new. I think it might be um a new a new signing to be perfectly. Yeah. I'd want Trevor Chalobah. Obviously, that's my favourite Loney. Um, <laughs> yeah. I've been, I've been tooting his horn for the longest. Um, he's he's got the phys- He's got he's got the technical ability. He's got the Hollywood pass in his locker. Um, he loves to he loves to carry with the ball, so he's confident being able to beat the press and. His his base instinct is to defend as someone who started his career as a centre back, and he adds that height. I'm just dreaming of a midfield free of Kai Havertz, uh, Trevor Chalabar, and and Ruben Loftus Cheek. Call it the monster trio. Like I would love that. Powerhouse FC, but that'd be a very strong midfield, man. Mm. He ain't had a strong midfield in time. Yeah, man. I'm not sure about Ruben though, but you know. So I think, yeah, I think, don't, don't sleep on them too soon. I've been talking about, so I spoke about Callum Hudson Doy and Ruben Loftus Sheet when they did tear the Achilles. And mm. I said, last season and the beginning of this season will be a write off. Mm. And people didn't understand. And I mean, it would be a write off off. Like, because Ruben, he was bound to be rusty. This injury is not something you can easily get over. And the yeah. fact that Hudson O'Doy recovered within four months was almost like an official of a miracle. But Ruben, of course, he had complications as well. Um, he did come in. He, I mean, he, he added a little bit when he came on for Chelsea at the tail end of last season. But he's never going to be like to start and play 90 minutes consistently is probably the best thing that he could have done for his career. Um, but it's shown that he can do it. It's shown that he actually physically can play for 90 minutes and last the distance. I think he literally lasted the whole of 90 minutes last season. I mean, the la- and last match against Tottenham. Where non-stop running as well. So, yeah, I think don't don't sleep on him. Don't completely give up on him. Um, you know, I think there's still a lot that he could, he could bring. And But yeah, man, we definitely need a bit more men in there because right now it's looking very, very small. Um, yeah, very. Yeah, we'll wrap it up there, man. Um, but yeah, thank you, Tim uh, Babs, for being on. And um, yeah, we'll see you guys next week. Hopefully... Chelsea come away with two wins so against Fulham and Leicester um, but yeah take it easy guys bless bless Sports Social Podcast Network